0: Psalm 118, the title of my teaching today is the gate of the Lord, the gate of the Lord. I'm so happy you're here. I've told you that already today, but I'm glad we're here together as a church because like never before, we need each other. We need the church. We need one another. In this crazy world where fellow citizens are trying to make sense of the times we live in, we have the opportunity to come to a source that is stable, come to a source that is reliable. Think about the holy scriptures that we're going to read from today, that we've already read from, the prayers that we've prayed. These expressions of our faith are timeless. They're eternal. They're much bigger Than the United States of America. They're much bigger than the companies we work for. They're much bigger than any tradition that may be important to us. And I'm just so glad that you're here and we're here together because we can draw from the word of God, draw from the principles of the Lord. And it just is a stability to our souls. It's a stability to our spirits. And so as Pastor Deborah said, in connection with the women's retreat. And now I say connection to the serv- service. Invest in yourself by, by being in God's house, by being trying out a 242 tonight, by getting under the waterfall of God's grace. You know, that's what we do through church participation and through our devotional life and through um, accessing Christian content. We, we get under the wisdom of God and the grace of God and it changes everything. There's a couple of different groups of pastors that I get together with for different reasons. One that I got together with this week, um, we talked and it was a smaller group of us, just four of us. And if you've ever been around pastors, what I'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind. We actually had a conversation that revolved around Jesus. Not church growth strategy are not the type of church politics that happen, who's doing what, what are they doing, what have you heard. It was such a rich time of focusing our conversation and attention as people who are leading congregations around Jesus. And it caused me to think about today's passage and how central Jesus needs to be to everything. Everything. One of the things I'm starting to appreciate more are the Psalms. And when we get our first Bibles, a lot of times um, it's helpful to get a New Testament accompanied with the Psalms and Proverbs. And one of the reasons this is important is that the New Testament quotes the Psalms, which were a collection of songs, more than any other Old Testament quotations. And we forget sometimes that the Psalms or the songs that we read were sung and was integrated into the lives of the disciples and in the life of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus quoted the Psalms often. And on a daily basis, Jesus Christ of Nazareth was working with the Psalms and singing the Psalms, and and he was working the Psalms out of his life. And so, when we begin to look at the Psalms, and we begin to look at those words, we are looking at the very words that Jesus meditated on. Now, I'm still letting this sink into me a little bit, but this is a powerful principle that we can actually pray with Jesus, because we're praying the same words that Jesus prayed. So, on this Palm Sunday, we look now at Psalm 118. Words that Jesus prayed, words that Jesus knew. Psalm 118, verse 19, are you there in your Bible? Are you there on your iPhone? Pastor Lee, who puts together our version, told me to tell you that it's not under live events anymore. It's under, what is it, Lee? It's under events. So if you can't find it, go to events on version. Psalm 118 verse 19 says this. Open the gates of righteousness for me. I will enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. I will give thanks to you because you have answered me and have become my salvation. Now, gates are really important in the ancient world. and There's significant gates all around the city of Jerusalem. Um, Now the city of Jerusalem has expanded, but there's still the remnants of some of those gates. And then there was a temple gate in which you would enter. So I'm looking at this scripture and studying for this sermon. I'm like, okay, God, this is a chance for me to find some like deep kind of cultural, historical truth that are going to blow the minds of the people. So I get out my references and the Logos Bible software and I'm looking at gates and reading about gates. And Okay, God, what's the significance of the gate? You know, the gate of the Lord. I even, I even felt that was going to be a good title. And there's going to be some hidden kind of meaning about the gate. And there may still be. And I've heard... You know, I've heard some of the sermons about Jeremiah and the gate represents this and that and the other. But I was looking specifically in the temple gate. And some of you theological people, you're gonna send me like a treatise this week about the gate and all that. So I look forward to that email. But I'm a simple-minded preacher, so here, here we go. So I'm ready to give you a deep truth of why gates are important. And whenever I give a deep truth, I talk a little slower and maybe even squint my eyes. And then, if it's really deep to you, you'll go, mmm. All right? If it's a rally kind of thing, like God is great, it's like, oh, yeah. But if it's deep, you go, mmm. Yeah, kind of, mm. So let me give you this deep truth of why gates are important. And the Lord thy God has shown this to me. Gates are important because wherever we enter determines where we are. Can you? All right, thank you. Now think about this for a second. It is kind of a cool truth. Gates are important because whatever gate we enter determines where we are. Wherever you, wherever you enter determines where you are today. That's why gateways, we gotta, we gotta watch out. You know, the eyes are a gateway, the ears are a gateway. There's all types of gateways in our life. But here's what the people of God sung People of God sung in Psalms 119. Open the gates of righteousness for me. Open this place that I can enter. Verse 20 This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous will enter through it. Can I just let you know that there is a specific entry point for you? There's a s- specific entry point for the righteous. And we say this is the place that we enter when we want righteousness. This is the place that we go. And so Jesus, as he prayed these psalms and worked with these psalms and sung these songs, he began to tell parables and he began to tell stories. And he told this parable and story about a sheep pen. And it was something that uh, the people could really relate to because this sheep pen was uh, the place, the the way that they worked in an agrarian society, there were sheep pens all over the place. And uh, you can imagine that there was a fence, and there was a main gate, and, and Jesus said, "I want you to, I want you to guard this gate, because the thief and the robber, he, he's going to come in another way. Listen, guard the gate." And then this is what Jesus said in John, John chapter ten, verse seven. So Jesus said, said again, "I assure you, I am the door of the sheep." All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Here's my first point today. Start with Jesus. I want you to write it down. I give three points almost every Sunday to organize our thoughts. Nowhere in the Bible it says a preacher has to give three points, but it just helps, doesn't it? It helps to kind of organize where we're going. Helps you to know what pace the sermon's at. If I'm running behind, I'm running ahead. Not necessarily. Start with Jesus. And like never before, this sounds simplistic, but it's not applied. We need a Jesus-centric faith. You might say, well, I know that, Aaron. I've known that since the day I was saved. We may know that, but we don't live it. A Jesus-centric faith, I want you to to, to, to look at this in your mind, I want you to imagine Jesus as the center of our faith. And here on the outside, there's this large circle around the center. And what, pro, what our problem is, is we get caught up in the large circle that surrounds the center. We may, we, we may agree that Jesus is supposed to be the center, but we're on the peripheral. So, so we, we get in all types of debates, debates, an argument sometimes, and even we create denominations and we change churches around stuff that's out on the edge instead of that which is in the middle, which is Jesus. And a Jesus-centric faith keeps us focused on the gospel message. Instead, we're kind of focused on out here the all the different debates, conservative versus liberal, interpretive versus literal, and even the... Um, arminian versus calvin and like this these become big issues to people and then we have a lot of when questions and these when questions occupy our time out here on the peripheral when do people get sanctified (laughs) when do people get baptized in the holy spirit when does jesus come back again When, when, when. And we're all preoccupied with all these questions. And I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't look into those and and interpret the scripture properly. And they are connected to Jesus. But when we become overly focused on that which is on the peripheral. And we lose the God who's the center. We're debating on when Jesus is coming back again. And then we're not acting like Jesus in our anger at the people we disagree with. We're debating over sanctification and, you know, we're cussing people out because uh, we, we, we don't think that uh, they, they have the right timeline of sanctification. That comes from one, someone from an old holiness background who understands what I'm talking about. Here it is that we're, we're completely losing the centric focus of our faith and we're all out here on the outside. So the question is not the when questions. We may look at those briefly and form a, a careful opinion that keeps us out of false doctrine. But it's not when is this and when is that. The question is who? Who is this Jesus? And then when we know the answer of who he is, it leads us to where. Where is Jesus in the passage? You know, we need a lot less of psychological principles or leadership success principles out of the scripture. Those do come out at times and are helpful for daily living, but we need a whole lot more of where is Jesus in the passage? Where is Jesus in the story? And when we begin to ask, where is Jesus in the passage? Then we begin to ask, where is Jesus in the circumstance? where is Jesus in the passage? Where is Jesus in the circumstance? And then we begin to ask, where is Jesus in my heart right now? Where is Jesus in my life? This gospel-centered, Jesus-centric message. And sometimes we're so deceived by the things on the peripheral that interest us, that make us feel smart, that make us feel like we have some type of advantage. Because anytime you've read a little bit more on a subject than someone else, it, it brings pride into your life if you're not careful. Hey, you've, you've not heard about the transubstantiation debate of the 1500s? Oh, my goodness. You know, information is powerful. And I think you guys know how much I believe in education. It's a big part of my life. But it's not meant to puff us up. It's meant to bring us to the center, and that is Jesus. So if education makes you more prideful, you've lost the purpose. That, that information belongs to the Lord for his purposes, to exalt him, to make him higher, to make him clear in our lives. So we now go to Psalms 118, verse 22. And here is a scripture that is quoted several times in the New Testament. Jesus quoted it himself in Matthew 21 verse 42, among other places. Psalm 118, verse 22. It's a bit of a riddle. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It's wonderful in our eyes. Verse 24. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Where does the rejoicing of God's people come from? The rejoicing of God's people doesn't come through the benefits of Jesus, like getting more money, getting more healings, all of those things. They may spur on rejoicing, but rejoicing brings us back to the centric. Rejoicing comes from knowledge of who Jesus is, knowledge of who he is in our lives. Verse 22 again, the stone that the builders rejected... I want you to understand here that this stone is not a noble, noble item. The stone is not anything of value. In fact, what the scripture is talking about is that which you pick up from a worksite and you toss aside because it has no significance for your purpose. You take the stone you say, let's get rid of that. And the scripture is telling us, and Jesus spoke of this about himself In Matthew 21, 42, among other places, and he said, you see this stone that's being rejected? This is going to be the cornerstone. This is going to be the place which holds the pressure of the building in place. This is going to be the capstone. This is going to be the stone that holds the building in place. The stone that the builders rejected, the stone that said no value to us, is everything and that's why the second point of organization is this, build with Jesus. And we must realize that the same Jesus that some of the people we love the most reject, the same Jesus that some of the people we enjoy being with the most turn their backs on, the same Jesus that our nation, by and large, statistically is turning its back upon in religious expression, This same Jesus who is rejected all around us is the same Jesus that we build everything upon. The stone that the builders rejected is the cornerstone. It's the capstone. It's everything. So find it not unusual when people you like and enjoy being around and even uh, admire certain qualities about them. Reject the message of Jesus. Reject the person of Jesus. Don't see the value. In fact, it's possible for critical thought, for people to take the stone and say, this isn't relevant, this stone is oppressive, this stone doesn't mean I am getting rid of that stone. But by the power and revelation of God, by the grace of God in our life, and no, we say it's everything. This stone that has no value to some is everything. We're building our lives on it. Guys, we're building our lives and we're building this church on this story that we're celebrating this Holy Week. It's everything. It's everything. I believe in social engagement and I want to see more of it in our church, but you can't build a church on simple, simply uh, social services. You cannot build a youth ministry simply on events and entertainment. You can't build a children's ministry on only fun while we may have touches of those here and there to attract more kids, if Jesus is not the center of it, if Jesus is not the cornerstone of it, if the preaching of God's word and the proclamation of the gospel and the careful examination of the scriptures is not the cornerstone of who we are, we're not building anything that will last. When the storms come, everything we're building will collapse. That's why we're Jesus-centric focus. And that's why we offer communion every week Because even if the sermon's no good, and even if the music's off, at the end, you have the opportunity to take the bread and drink the cup and say, my life is built on this man, this God, this Jesus. He's everything. No longer, listen, the way that persecution is going to come to this world we live in, and the way that God is separating the lukewarm Christians from those who are are truly following him and there is now a greater distinction between that which is righteous and evil no longer can people attend church for the personality of the preacher or for the style of the music or for the convenience of the location those things will continue to fade away and become less and less relevant as people are going for the word of God and the power of God applied to that it's what we need it's why I started the sermon saying we need each other we need this I need this I need you guys here. Listen, if it was just me and my four, uh, the five of us, and we were just having church, uh, you know, God would honor that and God would be there. But man, we, we need you guys. I need your love. I need your encouragement. God has been sending great encouragement to me through this congregation from unlikely sources. Some of you have encouraged me for years. God has been bringing some of you and encouraged me in fresh ways and new ways. And I'm gonna tell you something, I needed that in the last couple of weeks. I needed that so much. I need you guys. You guys, we need each other. Because Satan is, he is loose to deceive us, deceive the nations, deceive us all. We we need the house of God. We need the principles of God. That's why every contribution you make and I'm not just talking about monetary contributions, but even your participation, even your attendance to the house of God is a pushback against darkness. It's a, it's a light in a dark place. It's just something that's saying, come on, we're gonna make a difference in our little corner of the earth. We're gonna make a difference through our participation and through our love because we're not gonna let Satan just come and take everything dear to us and everything special to us. So it is, we build with Jesus. Sometimes right in the middle right in the middle of a circumstance, we don't recognize what's among us. That's very much how it was with Jesus. This reminds me of of when I visited a 242 group. It was last semester, not too long ago. Beth and I were kind of rotating through the groups um, when we're welcome at the groups. I'm just joking. Everyone's been welcoming to us. We're kind of rotating through saying hi to some people. I went to this one group. I saw a a man who was there and he, he, he seemed content, but no one was talking to him. So I went over and talked to him. I'd never met him before. So we get in dialogue, and I find out about him. And he says, well, I've actually never been on a Sunday morning. I'm here with a friend, but I'm coming next week. And he said, he, he said uh, kind of jokingly, he said, I hear the preacher's pretty good. So I just said, well, that's kind of subjective. It depends on what you like. So he kind of lifted his eyebrows and laughed. Um, and then uh, as the meeting went on, about 20 minutes later, someone called me Pastor Aaron. He said, Pastor Aaron, what? And he put it together. He didn't know I was a pastor. <laughs> and so we had a good laugh about that and it ended up this guy was in town acting for one of Greg Wilson's plays and he's back out of state now. Um, sometimes right in the middle, we, we, we interact with people. We don't, we don't understand who they are. John chapter 1 verse 10, write this down. It's not in your notes. John chapter one, verse 10, it's not on the screen either. It says this, he was in the world and the world created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. Think about this. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. Wouldn't it be tragic for you to be at the church at Indian Lake and sit through service after service but never recognize Jesus? Wouldn't it be tragic for you to be at First Baptist of whatever city you choose in the South and never recognize Jesus? Be at an assembly God, Nazarene, Methodist church, whatever it is, and be religious and miss Jesus. The stone that others reject through the power of God, this cornerstone, this everything. Here's the last part of this passage we're gonna focus on today, verse 25. Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The scripture was speaking about the coming of the Messiah. In this very dark history, the Jewish people had up to this point and have continued until even present day when they When they are on the brink of war at all times, they say, Come, save us. Save us, Lord. Enter the gate. (laughs) Enter the gate of righteousness. Enter the gate of righteousness to save us. Please, Jesus. The third point of organization today is call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. Psalm 118, Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. He who is sent by God is blessed. He who is sent in the name of Jesus is blessed. And I want you to turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 12. We insert ourselves in the middle of the gospel story. In commemorating today, this Palm Sunday, we commemorate what we now read about. John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, when the large crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took palm branches and they went out to meet him. And they kept shouting, Hosanna! He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one, the King of Israel. Do you see those quotation marks there? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. This was referring back to Psalm 118. And even like us, you know, this is, we don't always quote the scripture exact, right? Many times when the New Testament quotes the Psalm, it's not the exact wording. It's more important. They didn't Google Psalm 118 and cut and paste and then passed it out and read it. This was in their heart. The people had sung Psalm 118 and Jesus had sung this about the gate of righteousness and then he entered into the city gates of Jerusalem and the people said, Hosanna, which means save now, save right now. We we, we don't just want to sing about it. We don't want to just wish it into the future. they are saying, Jesus, this is now time. Save now. Come, Jesus, right now. And then, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a more traditional translation here in the whole minute. It says, he who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed, the King of Israel. And I just say, you know, Hosanna is a word that I don't think we need to just Use one time a year. I think it's good that we celebrate Palm Sunday, but just like we celebrate Easter every Sunday and every day of the year, I believe we need to say Hosanna more often. Save now. Save now, God. Hosanna in the hospital rooms. Hosanna in the businesses that we serve. And lead, Hosanna in our families, Hosanna in our schools, Hosanna in our broken structures. Hosanna, Lord, save us! And what are we asking the Lord to save us from? It's not save us from some kind of competition with another country. Save us from ourselves. Save us from our weaknesses. Save us from our hypocrisy. Save us from our anger. Save us from our addictions. Save us from our brokenness. Save us from our fickleness. Save us from our hero worship. Hosanna, save us from our pride. Save us right now from our prejudice. Save us right now from our violence. Save us right now from our evil speech, our evil thoughts, and our evil hearts. Hosanna. And I say, in our Jesus-centric worship, in Jesus-centric lives, and hopefully our Jesus-centric church, and we say, Hosanna, right now. Right now, Jesus. We're not just talking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. We're talking about something we need in this service. Save us, Lord. Save us right now. Would you join me in prayer? Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. God, I am so grateful for the scripture and I'm so grateful for the chance to have this faith that today we trace back six to seven thousand years ago into when this song was sung and we join the saints who have sung Psalm 118 and we join the believers who cried Hosanna on what we call Palm Sunday and waved their branches and said, save us, King Jesus. And we joined Jesus himself who sang this song and then fulfilled the song by being the answer to it. <laughs> Father, I speak life to broken places. I speak fruitfulness to barren places. The Lord wants those places that have been dried up and that have been like death to be fruitful again. And fruitfulness doesn't come from human effort. Fruitfulness comes through prayer. Fruitfulness comes through connection to the Father. God, we thank you that we can look to you, our great and powerful God. Let's stand in a heart of prayer. Pastor Matt, Pastor Deborah, other of our prayer partners and leaders will be back in that area. I'll be here in this front area. We just want to be located at a convenient place for you. God's using this sermon to deal with something in your life and you want a prayer partner. Can I just tell you, these are men and women just like you. We're not any different, but we love you. We want to agree to prayer. Let's spend some time crying out, Lord, save us. If you're visiting with us today, communion will be open and you don't have to take it, but you're welcome to. We ask that everyone who takes it examines their heart, centers on Jesus, repents of sins. You can, as we sing, you can come and get the bread and cup and then take it together or take it by yourself and you'll have to just kind of watch each other. There's there's a, a large amount of us here today and so we, we just kind of go in waves. We have plenty of time before we typically dismiss to do that. So even if you want to prepare your heart, some of you are ready to ready to come to the Lord's table now. Some of you want to wait a couple of minutes as the line is diminishing to examine your hearts. Some of you, for very legitimate reasons, will choose not to take communion today and, and please know that's okay. Uh, you could be totally right with God but uh, not take communion today. and That's fine too. But we focus on you, O oh Jesus. God, I pray as we go into this time of ministry, those who need prayer uh, would go to a prayer partner and would receive what they need. I pray, Lord, those who need a more focus on Jesus would do that. I pray that we all would repent of our sins and turn from you. Before we open communion, I just want to just make sure there's no one in here that uh, is fearful of their salvation because you just know this, once you're saved, you're saved because of Jesus. So if you're fearful and you're like, I don't know if I'm right with God from this day forward, you don't have to question that. You don't have to question that. So if that's you, just say, "I I need to make sure I'm a Christian today. I need to make sure I'm right with God. If you're in the far left section, your left, not my left, your left, raise your hand right now. If you say, I need to become a Christian today, I need to be right with God. Raise your hand really high. Anyone in that far left section? Anyone in that middle section, say I need to become a Christian today. Not a nominal Christian, not for the sake of the census, for the sake of my heart. I need to become a Christian today. Raise your hand in the middle section. Thank you, sir. Anyone else in that middle section, needs to raise your hand right now. Anyone else in the middle section? In that far right section, say I need to become a Christian today. I need to make sure that, that I've received salvation through Christ, that I've acknowledged His grace. Raise your hand right now. Anyone in that far right section? For the one who raised his hand, I'll be praying for you and I'll be talking to you soon because I know you and know who you are and the rest of us. Let's enjoy the presence of the Lord. Let's call upon salvation. Let's call upon this Hosanna and the greatness.